Today's episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. and welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. I'm Nick Cosmider, joined by my colleague Kendra Andrews, uh, and we're back at it for another week. Uh, last week, we had uh, Tim Conley on the program, and, and thanks again to Tim for, for joining us, sort of uh, gave us some insight in terms of you know just how the organization is, is dealing with this NBA hiatus during the coronavirus pandemic. Talk to us about how the Nuggets are sort of uh, front office spending more time preparing for the draft. Um, you know, just about how they're trying to keep in contact with their players, trying to keep everybody's spirits up, uh, while also understanding that, um, you know, this is, this is, these are strange times for everybody. And so if you didn't check that out yet, go ahead and go back and check that out. You can, you can find it on all of our platforms. Uh, Tim was a great guest. Um, Ken, a couple of things we're going to get into today. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, second part of the program, we're going to devote to, uh, to a Nuggets redraft. And, and we did this today, uh, where we took a pool of players that have played for the Nuggets over the last 20 years um and we each picked a team with five starters and three reserves um so we'll let folks tell us uh, who did a better job with that i think that'll be a lot of fun but first off the top uh we have to talk uh, we actually have some news uh so, some nuggets news in this in this dead time uh go figure uh arturis karnashovas uh ha- has been kind of identified as, as one of if not the top target for the Chicago Bulls as they go about choosing a new top front office executive uh, for their franchise. And, um, you know, look, as far as I understand it, um, you know, the Nuggets have sort of known for a long time that Arturis uh, would be a guy who was heavily targeted uh, by other teams. His experience, not only in building this Nuggets team, which he has been um, a major part of over the last several, uh, you know, going back uh, to really the, the the start of this team, which is, uh, you know, the 2014 draft that, that brought in Gary Harris and, and a year later getting Nikola Jokic over here from Serbia in, during the 2015-16 season. You know, he helped draft Yusuf Nurkic as well. So, uh, again, he's been he's played a massive role in building a Nuggets team that over the last two seasons has been one of the top teams in the Western Conference. His experience goes back even further, in, in, both in the league with teams like the Houston Rockets and at the league office itself. Uh, he has a great international track record. Um, he, he's well-respected around the world, really, in the game from Lithuania. Played on the 1992 Lithuanian national team that, that memorably won bronze medal at the Barcelona game. So his his career in basketball has just spanned uh, different generations. It has spanned, you know, just different ideas within this game. And, um, you know, so I guess, Kendra, first of all, as you've, as you've watched this unfold, what's kind of just been your reaction um, to to potentially the Nuggets losing Artur- Arturis Karnaschovas to Chicago? I think the first thing that I started thinking about was, I mean, Tim Connolly, who you mentioned is on the podcast last week and our tourists have they're kind of that dynamic duo for the nuggets front office they're they're the two guys who just kind of like run the show for it so my first thought was okay like what is it going to look like without him is is 
Are they going to find another guy who kind of balances out Tim Connolly so well? And then my second thought was something that you already touched on, which is how this isn't the first time that Arturis has been uh, pursued from other teams. Other teams have asked him to come over, and he hasn't. And I was asked by someone who works in Chicago, oh, would the Nuggets be supportive of this, or would they try and grasp on him and keep him. And I said, well, I think the Nuggets are an organization that wants their people to do the best that they can. And if they see that someone has an opportunity to take that next step in their career, they would be supportive of it. Of course, I think they would be a little sad if they lost our tourists because of all the things you just mentioned, how he's helped build this team. Um, but I do believe that they would be supportive of him moving on and that they would, you know, find someone to fill his big shoes. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's been, I think, again, a long time coming. He's been targeted by, you know, Milwaukee, Philadelphia in the past, um, you know, a couple summers ago. He, he they, they basically they created the president of basketball operations position for Tim Conley so that they could elevate uh, Arturis into a general manager role. Uh, and that was done so that they could they could keep him on board. You know, Josh Kroenke said, listen, we're, we're still building this thing to where we want it to go. Um, you know, we're still in kind of that middle stage of this build. And, and I really still need our tourists to be a part of this. And so that that's where that was done. Um, you know, they've continued to make a push to keep both of those guys um, in, as the top front office pairing in this franchise. And, you know, look, these are it's a really an interesting thing what Chicago, you know, did because. That was a team that obviously had prepared to make moves going into the offseason. But with this pause, it's it's unique because we don't know if this season is going to continue again. So you don't know if if you're if you're leaving a team, you don't know if you're leaving that team before it starts the playoffs or if you're leaving it before it starts the next season. That aspect of it has been really interesting. But look, if the Bulls are if if they're undergoing this process, then all their candidates, you know, they have to reevaluate themselves kind of where, where they are with their own organization. Um, and and you're you're right about I think about the Nuggets ultimately um, trying to elevate their own their own guys whether it's ass- assistant coaches whether it's people in the front office um, I, I think that's something that they've shown especially during this regime in which Tim Conley took over the front office uh, just before the 2013 draft I, I think you've seen that continuously of sort of internal promotion and then ultimately helping guys get to get to other positions and so it would not surprise me if that's ultimately what happens here. Uh, that's also a big job. It's a, it's a big job to take on. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's a massive front-facing role for a very popular franchise and a franchise that has not won in a long time. And so uh, there's a lot to dig out of with that. And, and I would imagine that part of that is is what the allure is for Arturis Karnaschovas. You're getting to kind of ultimately co- completely start something over again. Now, does he have c- complete control over who he hires as a general manager? Uh, will he have uh, a say in whether – you know the, the the Chicago Bulls make a coaching change. Uh, you know, obviously he'll have a he- he'll have a big hand in their their upcoming draft, free agency, all those things. Um, but it is it is a massive job, and there's no there's no kind of a, I guess clear path to how they get themselves to kind of a place where Denver is now. Uh, so that that to me is the interesting part of it. The other aspect of it is is that Tim Conley last year, as we know, right after the playoffs. Um, you know, had a had, was hotly pursued by the Washington Wizards, and that that was a choice that was tough for him because obviously Washington is home. That's probably the only organization that could have really come in and made a good push for Tim Conley, given given how much he values what he's created here in Denver. And ultimately, you know, that was what he decided. He decided that he was not ready to leave this team that he still believes can be a championship 
franchise. And, and so ultimately I think had he, had he left, Arturis would have been right in line to maybe take that top front office role with the Nuggets. So in some ways I would imagine that the writing was, was kind of a little bit on the wall here. Um, that, that again, you say, Hey, Arturis come back, help, help us get to the mountaintop here. Um, you know, and we'll, and we'll maybe make, make a push for you to, to get wherever you want to go. Cause they knew, they knew that the time was going to come when he got pursued again. It's, it's essentially happened almost every off season over the last three or three or four years. Um, so if he does leave, if he does take this job with Chicago, um, what's next for the Nuggets? I mean, I think, and I saw you tweeted about this yesterday, a couple other people were tweeting about, okay, if he does move on, if he does go to the Bulls, who is going to you know, take over that position? And of course, Calvin Booth, who's the assistant GM, has been in the franchise, we just talked about how the Nuggets do like to promote their guys internally. Um, so I can imagine that if they do need to start a search for a new GM, yeah, it will probably start internally. And then if they, for some reason, can't find someone who they, who's already in the organization to fill that role, then they might turn um, to someone external who's not already with the Nuggets. I think Calvin Booth um, is, is probably in my in my guess, and, and I look I, the the Nuggets as they as they often if they often do with these kind of things, play stuff close to the vest. That's just sort of how they how they operate uh, as a franchise and, and have done done so uh, really ever since Tim Connolly took over, and uh, that that's just kind of how they how they do their business. Um, but I, but I really do have the sense that you know Calvin Booth is a guy who would be a, a a really strong consideration for the team in terms of um, potentially taking that spot uh, that, that would would be vacated by Arturis Karnaschovas if he leaves for Chicago. Uh, he, he's a guy who has, again, a lot of experience uh, in the league. He's known Tim since 1999 uh, when when the when the Wizards drafted Calvin Booth um, and and Tim was Tim was interning with the Wizards. So their their relationship goes goes that far back um, and. and and he has been, you know, so he's known Tim for a really long time. They always sort of had those conversations, um, you know, kind of throughout their respective careers uh, about how how you go about pursuing an eventual career uh, as an executive. And, uh, you know, he, he's had times where he was able to give, um, you know, give Calvin an, an internship um, in, in scouting with New Orleans Um Again, Calvin has has been a guy who had a, had a pretty good, pretty pretty sizable front office role uh, in Minnesota. He was the director of player programs there. Uh, he he was basically kind of like a Swiss Army knife. He he was doing uh, he was you know, doing on court uh, on court development type help. He was in coaches meetings. Um, you know he he was doing all kinds of those little things. And I think that that kind of thing has carried over to his role uh, in Denver. He you know he's on the road with the team. He checks in uh, checks in with players. I, he, he's a really smart scouting mind. And one thing that I, that I like about Calvin Booth is that he's somebody that's always asking questions of people. And, and, and I'm talking, you know, whether it's other scouts, whether it's other front office members, whether it's, um, just people in and around the building, um, he, he's always asking questions and, and not, not to confirm his own biases or anything like that. Uh, but he, but he truly, I think has a, has a great deal of respect for anybody who watches the game, anybody who's around it. And, and he, he just strikes me as a guy who is continually trying to find ways to think outside of the box. And, and to me, uh, the pairing between he and Tim Conley already seems strong. So I would think that Calvin Booth, um, w- would be kind of a really strong 
consideration to, to kind of take that, take that job. Okay. Kendra, now I'm excited about this. We, uh, you know, we did this today. We had a virtual draft as, as the regular, as the regular NBA draft is probably going to be, uh, you know, come June or whenever it happens. Um, and so, so we, we had, uh, we created some sort of somewhat arbitrary rules. Essentially we wanted to take players who have played for the nuggets over the last 20 years. And the reason I think 20 years is because that gives you a big enough pool to play to, to choose from. Um, and again, over the last 20 years, you've got several different teams for the Nuggets that have had a, a lot of success. Uh, so it gives you that big pool to play from. But it also, I think, encap- encapsulates guys that are more or less in the same era of basketball. So you're not necessarily selecting guys that played in the ABA or, you know, early Nuggets teams of the late 1970s, um, where, where the style of basketball is just completely different. I wanted to sort of imagine this as an exercise where we draft guys that could actually play on the court together. And you could imagine how that would look. So we, we each drafted eight players, uh, five starters, and then, and then three bench players. Uh, and then afterwards at, at the end of this tour, I'm, we're also going to uh, pick a coach as well over the last 20 years, uh, to, to add to this mix. And then the only other rule I'll just, I'll just quickly, um, add to this is that the players that you drafted, you, you have to draft them for kind of where they were in their career when they played for the nuggets. And, you know, the example that I give of this is, is Allen Iverson still very good in his two seasons with the nuggets, but not like the t- 2001 MVP version, uh, of Allen Iverson that, that you, so that that's not who you get, get to draft if you, if you do select Iverson. So, um, with that, we did a, uh, we did a random draw, which was basically me holding, um, <laughs> two, st- two sticks in my hand, one, one representing you, one representing me and having my, my son pick one. And he, sh- sure enough, he betrayed me and he picked, he picked the one that I had, um, you know, set aside to be you. So <laughs> Thanks, you Kendra. have the first pick. <laughs> Kendra, take it away with your first pick. And, and, and then just give us a little, just a kind of a quick synopsis as to why. So my first pick was Carmelo Anthony. The Denver Nuggets select Carmelo Anthony from Syracuse University. You know, Carmelo, when, when you were going back to what you said about the rules of, of picking a guy who, when you're picking him, you're picking him of how he played with the Nuggets. And when Carmelo Anthony was with the Nuggets, I mean, he was an absolute beast. And he really turned this franchise around. The Nuggets were kind of a, you know, they're a, the butt of the NBA's jokes, really. Oh, yeah. They they won 17 games a year yeah, before they drafted Yeah, like they him. just, they were not good. He comes to the to, to Denver and he put them on the map. He just completely changed it. They made the playoffs every year for his seven plus seasons with the Nuggets. Um, and they reached the Western Conference Finals in 2009. So when kind of picking my, my, my first guy, the guy who I kind of wanted to build around, I had to go with Carmelo. Yeah, that, I, I think uh, I think that's a ni- nice nice choice, um, and, and really only one of two two choices that could probably be made in that first pick. Which uh, which brings me to my pick, my first pick, number two overall. I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic. Um, you know, like I said, if you, if you pick two of the best players that have played for the Nuggets in the last 20 years, in my mind, it's Carmelo Anthony and Nikola Jokic, who just so happened to wear uh, this the same number. And when I did the Denver 
pro uh, Denver pro athlete numbers zero to 99, the best player to wear each number in Denver pro sports history last week. Um, you know, that was what I had to decide between, right. was either Carmel Anthony or Nikola Jokic for that number 15. And, and ultimately Anthony, just with the track record, you mentioned it, how long he played with the Nuggets, seven years. They never didn't make the playoffs when he was a part of the team, uh, perennial all-star. And again, you, you mentioned it, got them to within two games of the NBA finals in 2009. Uh, but for me, Jokic is, is the obvious next choice. And we already know what it looks like, right. To, to build a team around him or how you at least go about trying to build a team around him, um, which made it exciting for me after this pick to say, okay, I have Nicole Jokic. I'm, I'm very familiar having watched every, uh, virtually every game of his career to this point, uh, close up to, to sort of, um, you know, see how he plays. And so, uh, as I make the rest of these picks, uh, it, it'll be kind of fun to see how that unfolded. Uh, but Kendra, let's, uh, let's get it back to you for, for pick number three. Yeah. And quickly, cause you added, you know, this was a really interesting challenge for myself because these are guys I was talking with someone. I was telling them that I was doing this. I was like, in 2002, I was three years old or not 2002, <laughs> in 2000, I was three years old. Um, so it was really interesting to me to go back and see these players because for a lot of these guys, I don't really remember. I remember watching highlights or I remember hearing about them after, but I didn't get to watch them up close and personal as you did um, for some of these guys, at least. But anyway, moving on to my third pick, I know I surprised you a little bit with this pick. I was kind of going back and forth between some choices. I chose Marcus Camby. I kind of wanted just a defensive anchor, and that's kind of what he was known for. He was a defensive player of the year in 06, 07 season. And, you know, I was just kind of looking for that big body who I knew was going to be able to, to shut some people down. And he was also another guy in that Carmelo, you know, area that that kind of helps this team rise up that is interesting you would probably have the hearts of all these like old school uh, defensive (laughs) minded coaches um in a sea of in a sea of players over the last 20 years that have played this really high octane up and down um game but again like you want somebody i guess that will give you know at least make Jokic work a little bit and and there's not a lot of um you know, there's probably not a ton to, ch- to choose from in terms of guys who, um, you know, again, nobody's going to stop him, but somebody who could who could make that make life a little bit harder on him. So that that's certainly an understandable route to take. OK, so my second pick, pick number four overall. Uh, I'm going with Chauncey Billups, the king of Park Hill, Mr. Big Shot. Um, you know, I, I I mentioned that a couple months ago, I, I, Billups was in town to, to call a Nuggets game for ESPN. And before the game, I saw he and Jokic were kind of laughing on the court. They were, um, you know, sharing a few moments together and talking. And, you know, Cha- you, you've seen Chauncey. You've gotten to know him a little bit. He, mm-hmm. The guy looks like he could still throw on a uniform oh, and play yeah. <laughs> on, any, on any given night. And so it was impossible not to see those two stand there and be like, man, I, I wonder what they would have been like. I wonder how they would have played together. Together. And so, you know, this plays into my my fantasy land of being able to watch Chauncey Billups and Nikola Jokic play. And I, I just think the pairing of those two uh, would, would really be great because because Chauncey's a guy who just wants to make the right play. Much similar mm-hmm. to, to Nikola Jokic, just values basketball in that way as as each each play has an outcome in which if I make the right play, um, that that's going to help us get to where we need to go. And, and so I think he would be equally comfortable deferring and getting off the ball, uh, but also kind of telling 
telling Jokic what where he needs to go and not being afraid to kind of um, you know step up and, and take that leadership role as well. And and he's been as good of a leader as the Nuggets have had over the last two decades. So for me, that was a pretty easy choice for my for my second selection. Um, Kendra, back to you. So for my third pick, I, I wanted to get you know some more offense in there, and I wanted to start filling out my guard positions. Um, And I did pick Jamal Murray. And when I first picked him, you know, obviously he plays point guard um, for the Nuggets right now. Um, And I don't think that he's like the typical point guard. I don't think that playmaking is his biggest strength. So I'm kind of drafting him as, yeah, a guy who can facilitate, a guy who can who can create plays, but also more just as a shooting guard, a guy who can score, which we all know uh, Jamal Murray can do. And Nick, as you pointed out, you wrote uh, the Nuggets All-Decade Team back when the calendars first uh, flipped over to 2020. He's the only point guard in, in Nugget for the Nuggets who has led them to a playoff victory in the last decade. And so I think, you know, we're talking, you mentioned this, the current pace of basketball, it's fast pace. It's a lot of shooting. And I think that Jamal Murray is someone who fits in well with, with that. Yeah. I think one of the funny wrinkles about this uh, experiment is imagining guys who are teammates now or who, who were teammates, uh, you know, back in the day mm-hmm. to then play against each other. And I just wonder, uh, I wonder some of the, some of the shots or, or what would happen if, if, if Jamal Murray were to, to draw Nikola Jokic in a switch or, <laughs> and, and yeah. try to go at him, that, that'd be funny to watch. Okay, so for my third pick, uh, number six overall, I'm taking Allen Iverson. And, you know, we said at the top how I know, I know I'm not getting the guy that averaged 33 points during the 2001 playoffs and, you know, led a team of a bunch of nobodies to, to a win in the NBA Finals over an all-time Lakers team. I get it. I'm not getting that guy. Um, but what I am getting is a guy who still averaged almost 26 points a game over two seasons with the Nuggets and over seven assists. I mean, I think people forget just because, you know, those 76ers years are always how we associate Allen Iverson. But the guy still had a lot of game when he, when he got to Denver. Uh, the problem was that between he and Anthony being their two best players, they just could never play enough defense. And that's why they were ultimately first round or early round exits in the playoffs every year. And I did account for that. I understand I have a small backcourt now with with Billups and Iverson, two two point guards who are going to have to kind of, you know, share, play off the ball a little bit. Um, but gosh, you know, I'll worry about that um, when the scoreboard <laughs> says 130 points, um, you know, I guess I'll worry about defense another time so Kendra, you sound, back to you. You, you sound kind of like michael malone when you just said that but <laughs> i know i sound like the anti-michael malone yeah. right yeah for my next pick i guess i have like a little bit of a smaller backcourt too i picked ty lawson because like i just said before i didn't you know I, I see jamal i think jamal murray would really thrive in that more of the two guard role so i put ty lawson there as my point guard um, you know, he was another really quick player. He he played for George Carls. He had a fast-paced offense, and you know, Ty Lawson fit in well with that. And he finished the 2014-15 season third in assists in the league. He had two, uh, 720 assists. And so I was kind of just trying to find that guy who is a really true facilitator. Even when his shooting and his scoring will take a dip, he will still be there making plays, facilitating, uh, setting up the offense for all these other guys. Well, Kendra, as the as the lead executive of this team, it's it's going to be your responsibility to um, you know to make sure Ty, Ty Lawson walks the straight and narrow. Because <laughs> I did you know, think that, I did think that's about your responsibility that too. Now. No, I, I was definitely like <laughs> typing his name. Down. I'm like, okay. 
I, I, you can do it, right? You, to deal you, with the personality. I got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have faith that you can do that. Uh, all right. So for, for my fourth pick, uh, pick number eight overall... I went with Antonio McDice. Um, you know, I, I I really think that Antonio McDice is is one of the more underrated players in the uh, in, in Nuggets history. I mean, this is a guy who got who who came joined the team in 1995, a former second round draft pick, and was immediately an All Rookie player. Uh, j- just played with this this great tenacity, really athletic, was a great in game dunker, j- just really entertaining. And those seasons that he played for the Nuggets um, under uh, under Dan Issel and then eventually Jeff Bezdelic. Um, um, they were not um, they were not sexy seasons for the Nuggets. They, they weren't making the playoffs. They weren't very good. Um, but but he was he was really truly an outstanding player. He, he was an All Star uh, in two thousand one. Averaged almost uh, twenty one points and twelve rebounds a game. And he, he's a guy that can play that dunker spot really well. Um, and, and be a guy that pairs with Nikola Jokic, doesn't have to take any kind of shots away from him, just sort of gets his by by being a guy that's in the right place, by being athletic, running the floor, as, as my team is certainly going to do, um, or else they'll they'll run in practice. Um, he is going to be, he's going to be, uh, I think, a really great answer uh, at the power forward spot. So how do you match that, Kendra? Hot take, warm take. I don't know. I don't think it's hot, but I think it's like warm. Good my takes. I don't think it's quite cold, but we just have not seen a lot of Jeremy Grant. I mean, he's only, we've seen a lot of him this season, but obviously it's his first season with the Nuggets. That being said, if I'm taking players based off of what they did in Nuggets uniform, I'm pro Jeremy Grant. Like I really am. Um, I mean, this season, once he found his groove with the Nuggets, he has just kind of been on a tear. He can score at the rim. He can score, you know, just in the paint in general. He can sometimes he finds a three point shot or a mid range, um, while also, you know, providing unbelievable defense. And I think that he's a guy who will match up well against McDice on your team. I think he's a guy that, you know, Jeremy Grant has blocked some big players and some big dunkers and guys who kind of just take advantage at the rim. And so I think if I'm going to try and, and slow him down, I, I want to put Jeremy Grant in there. Cause he also gives a little something on offense too. I don't know. I, th- I think, uh, <laughs> I think McDice might be licking his chops at that matchup, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, we won't, we won't see, but we'll, we'll pretend that we'll see. Um, okay. So that was your, that, that wrapped up your, your starting lineup. Um, so my last pick of that kind of starter selection, number 10, overall, my fifth starter, I'm going with Danilo Gallinari and he really that to me was the only small forward choice after you took Carmelo Anthony and and I kind of I kind of waited till the back end of the of that round because I wanted to kind of set up the rest of this team first and was was somewhat nervous that he wasn't going to be there but for me Gallo is a guy who um you know I've been thinking a lot lately about how what what these nuggets would have been like if they had been able to keep him around in 2017 when he ultimately signed with the clippers uh, obviously we know that the priority that offseason for denver was was getting another power forward getting kind of a star level player that they you know or at least a star level player in his uh, previous stops that could you know kind of help help along a young team that needed to learn how to win and that's eventually why they went after paul millsap um, who had been a four-time all-star in atlanta and, and certainly Millsap has has kind of, I think, elevated the professionalism. He's made them a better defensive team. He's done a lot of good things during his three years in Denver. But, but Gallinari, I, I think when he plays for winning teams, as we've seen over the last really since 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 Nikola Jokic became the starting center for the Nuggets um, in December of 2016. 
the, that offense that year with he and Gallinari was, was the NBA's best from that point forward. And, and Gallinari has only become a better shooter uh, since he's, since he's left the nuggets. Nikola Jokic has only become a better player. And I just really think that if, if the nuggets had found a way to keep him and he's now their starting small forward, um, you know, again, it would have been tougher to make that money work, but um, it, it's, it's a big, what if I think for this franchise and, and I'm, I'm glad to, to reunite those two fellas once again. I was kind of mad at you when you, when you took him, that was <laughs> going to be my next pick. I had uh-huh, it all lined uh-huh. up. Sure. Sure. And I did know I was getting ready. I was going to say, I was going to see who you drafted so I could start preparing my next one. <laughs> and I saw it and I was like, well, there goes that recalibrate. Now we have to we have to go to the bench, and we just yes. did three three subs because the reason we did that is to to kind of put a premium on selecting guys that could be able to play uh, different areas of the court. So it wasn't just that you were going to pick you know five starters, five five backups. Uh, wanted right. to make it so that you 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 know you you put a premium on selecting interchangeable parts. So uh, take it away, Kendra, with p- uh, pick number eleven. Another maybe hot, cold, medium take. I don't know. But I, after you took Gallo, I decided to go with Will Barton. I know a lot of, you know, Nuggets fans have a lot to say about him. Some love him. Some don't. don't. They're less (laughs) fans of him. Um, But I think that one thing that Will Barton provides is he's just love. Like, he's just even all the time. Um, I don't think he ever gets, I mean, I think he gets too hot, like, but off the court, he's always on the court. He's never too hot, never too cold. He's just a really even keeled guy. And I think that that's like an important thing to have. We already know that he fits well with Murray and Grant from actually playing with them and being on the same team. And he can be a, whoever a team needs him to be. If he needs to step up into a starting role and play with starters, he can. But he can also be that leader on the bench. We've seen him play with the bench unit, with the Nuggets right now. And yes, even though it would be with different players, he just has a presence of him that is very, the guys have said, it's calming, it's it's steady. They feel like they know what they need to be doing when Will Barton is on the floor. And I think that's important when you're you know figuring out who your bench unit is going to be. Yeah, no, again, you mentioned it versatile. We've seen him in that versatile role uh, as a guy who came off the bench earlier in his career, um, you know, with the Nuggets. So, uh, you know, you could you could fit him into into a couple different spots and know that you have a guy that could that could score the ball as well. Uh, Okay, so for my first bench player. I'm going with Nick the Quick, Nick Van Exel, and uh, that gives me three point guards, three somewhat small point guards um, to to play as as three guards. Um, But look, I I just wanted to continue to to lean fully into this brand of team that I've created, which is uh, just just score the basketball. If we can live in the 130s, then (laughs) then we'll be okay. And, (laughs) you know, Van Exel was another guy a lot like McDice who played on some Nuggets teams that um, weren't very good. And and so I think, uh, you know, he had come to he had come to the Nuggets from the Lakers uh, early in his career where, you know, he he got a good taste of the playoffs. And and so I think for him, ultimately, the losing uh, when Denver couldn't kind of build around him, you know, uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s, I, I think that ultimately um, soured him and he he kind of wanted out. But he had some really good years in Denver, uh, ultimately averaged 18 points a game uh, during during four seasons in Denver and eight assists. So he, he's a guy that got up and down the floor, facilitated, um, you know, it was just a lot of fun. And I, I think he alongside either Billups or or Iverson, um, while also playing with Jokic, uh, would, would just would just create so many problems. So he is my sixth man, Nick Van Exel. Oh, so for my next pick, 
uh, 13th overall, I chose Nene Hilario, um, backup center, you know, pretty opposite, uh, than, than my, my starting center can be because can is all about defense. Hilario, he's, you know, Nene is all about offense. That's kind of what he, he did for the Nuggets. He led the NBA in true shooting twice when he was with the Nugget. Um, and in 2000, in the 2010-11 season, he had the top field goal percentage in the league with a 61.5%. Um, you know, his time with Denver was, there was a lot of injuries. He never had one season that was kind of amazing um, to point out and say, wow, that was something special. And I think that, you know, you mentioned other guys getting overlooked, and I think that that's a reason why Nene could get overlooked. But I think that he's going to provide a good balance for my team, especially at that center position. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a guy that averaged, you know, he was a full-time starter on that 08-09 team that made it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, averaged almost 15 points a game, almost eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it could, could give you a little bit of rim protection, too. That You know, he averaged better than almost a block and a half a game, which was a career best during that season. So if you're getting to pull, you're getting to pull from probably what was the arguably the best season of his what has been a really long career for him uh in 2009 and and so that uh i think gives you some gives you some versatility i I, we've seen him try to handle Jokic uh in the past that that's going to be a tough matchup but uh i i unfortunately am not going to be able to play nicola 48 minutes a game so uh, (laughs) he'll he'll find his spots i suppose uh so that brings me to my uh second bench player uh number 14 overall in this draft I'm going to go with Kenyon Martin and and really another guy who, um, you know, just made the Nuggets tough and and gave them a lot of edge and, uh, kind of built this brand. The Nuggets did as a team that was going to hit you a little bit. And and that's that's not necessarily something we see with these Nuggets. They're skilled. Uh, they're talented, um, but they're not exactly a team that you see on the schedule and say, man, they're going to give us. You know, they're just going to give us a physical fight all night. And that's that's what Kenyon Martin brought to Denver uh, over seven years was just that guy that, um, you know, the proverbial, I love playing with him. I hate playing against him. And so he's a guy at six foot nine. Um, you know, I, I don't have another center. He could play, you know, he could play small ball five or he could play the four, uh, while, while Marcus can be play center. So he, there, there's, um, you know, there's a little bit of versatility there. I wish he could shoot better. My, my, my two power forwards aren't, aren't, uh, aren't great outside shooters, but you know, look, we, you, you can't have everything. And, and I think he'll, <laughs> he'll bring enough off my bench to, to give me a big lift. Uh, so Kendra back to you. So, with the final pick or my final pick um, I chose Gary Harris I wanted you know you you mentioned you have three point guards three great point guards and I wanted someone who's going to give them a tough time Um, and that is what Gary Harris does and that's what he's done pretty much all season back in the beginning of this season uh, he held CJ McCollum to just 12 points on 5 of 18 shooting the first game of the season he forced Devin Booker uh, and they're in the Suns Nuggets first two games of the season. Devin Booker went 11 of 34 from the field and then two of 17 from three. He also committed 10 turnovers in those two games. Uh, Gary Harris kept Luka Doncic from like, like at the beginning of the season, Luka Doncic was on a tear. He was like, he was not scoring less than 25 points a night. And then against the Nuggets on October 29th, uh, Gary Harris held him to just 12 points. So I think that Gary Harris is just a guy who can lock up opponents' best guards. And especially when you add in that offense that he had a couple seasons ago, the past two, three years, I mean, that makes him like a a complete two-way player and someone who could add a lot 
to a team. Yeah, you definitely needed a defensive backcourt guy to deal mm-hmm. with my uh, my triumvirate of Billups, Iverson, <laughs> and Van Exel because that's just a lot of offense coming at you. So, um, you know, you, you you kind of you kind of saved yourself in the game a little bit, I think, to to give a guy to to select a guy that could give them some trouble. Uh, that brings me to my last choice. And I also kind of went that defensively versatile choice and, and chose Andre Iguodala. Mm-hmm. And um, here's a guy who was, you know, just hated in Denver after after the 2013 playoffs. You know, they, they gave up a lot to get him for that 2012-13 season. And then he bounced in free agency, joined the team that had beat Denver, um, had upset Denver in those 2013 playoffs. But look, this is this is a situation where we're just starting clean, new world. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think what he does is at, at six foot six, I could play him power forward in a small lineup. Um, he could play two guard. He could play the small forward. Uh, he can, he can do a lot of different things, hits enough big shots that you can trust him doing that. And, and, and ultimately, um, you know, I could throw him on any number of guys. I, I really feel good about him playing against Jamal Murray. Um, I, I think he could, he could definitely, well, not shut Carmel Anthony down. Of course, uh, he's shown like he did during the finals when he, when he played LeBron James, that he is a guy that can at least make life difficult for those really talented wing scorers. So that that's what I'm going to do there. And that so that finishes up our teams. Let's just uh, let's just recap here. So so Kendra's team starts Ty Lawson, Jamal Murray, Carmelo Anthony, Jeremy Grant, and Marcus Camby, with a bench of Will Barton, Nene, and Gary Harris. My team: Chauncey Billups, Allen Iverson, Danilo Gallinari, Antonio McNice and Nikola Jokic in the starting lineup with Nick Van Exel, Andre Iguodala, and Kenyon Martin coming off the bench. Um, Kendra, what, I mean, what do you think here? Like, it's it's my team, right? It is your team. <laughs> no. I think I, I agree with you. <laughs> no. Yo, you guys, you're supposed to fight for your team. I was just <laughs> <laughs> No, I do think, I think that, I think that the way, I think that your team, the way it's built, like, you know, really around Nikola Jokic, and I, I think that, like, it just, it complements each other very well. And I would actually really like to see how this team would play together. I think that we should try and figure out how to get all these guys play a little scrimmage during this downtime see what happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah no exactly yeah they're all they're all still uh, you know active and old enough mcdice is getting up there he's had some knee issues Kenyon martin's older but i mean these are all guys that again that the the reason this was fun is that a lot of people's memories are still uh clear enough to see these have have seen these guys on the court and it it would be it would be a unique thing to to see um you know how how they pair together uh last thing we, we got we got to add a coach to our roster um so so that the last 20 years have included uh, as head coaches Dan Issel, Jeff Bezdelic, Brian, uh, George Carl, Brian Shaw, and Michael Malone. Um, since you got the first pick of the draft, you also get to take your first pick of, oh, of head coach. So, so which of those five guys are you going to take as your head coach for your team? Okay, re- give, give me the names again. Yeah, so Dan Issel. Uh-huh. Dan Issel was in the late, you know, late '90s, early 2000s. Then Jeff Bezdelic took over, and and he coached, um, you know, the team that that won only 17 games before uh-huh. they drafted Anthony. Obviously, we know George Carl took over, had that long string of getting into the playoffs. Yeah, you had you had the Brian Shaw, the, the ill-fated Brian Shaw era, and now, <laughs> as you know, Michael Malone is, is coaching this current team. Right. Well, I kind of go. I'm kind of going back and forth between Malone and Carl. Um, you know, looking at my, let's see, where's my roster? Looking at the guys who, who I've taken, who I've drafted. Let's see. Hmm. I think, I think I'm going to go with Michael Malone. I think 
you know, Michael Malone is a very defense guy. Okay. I mean, so you, you have you have familiarity because you have drafted four players who are on the current Nuggets team. Um, so, so you have that kind of, you know, you have that, I guess, advantage knowing that your coach knows those guys. For, for me, it's it, then it, with, with Michael Malone off the board, it, for me, it's obviously George Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and, and so he gets to reunite with some of these guys that he coached in, in Gallinari and Iverson and Billups. Uh, but I, but I'm curious to see how, how, George Carl would have uh, would have coached a guy like Nikola Jokic. You know, these are two guys who are very smart about the game of basketball, but I do wonder how their personalities uh, would interact. So um, George Carl gets to coach my team and, and Michael Malone gets to coach yours. And so, yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. See, you know, wh- who did we who do we miss? Dra- like, look, this this left a, a lot of really good players out. You know, guys like Andre Miller, um, you know, uh, Paul Millsap. You got guys that that over the course of the last 20 years have been really impactful parts of their teams. Um, but w- w- with 16 guys, I feel like we did we did pretty well. Any any kind of final thoughts on this exercise? No, it was fun. It was it was it was it was interesting to look back. Like I mentioned, you know, a lot of these guys, at least for me, I either wasn't you know didn't get to watch them play in the early two or i did get to watch them play in the early 2000s but don't remember watching them play in the early 2000s or just kind of seeing oh yeah like that guy was on the nuggets and stuff like that so to just kind of look back and then think about how kind of what you mentioned before different styles of basketball how is that all going to come together to get something cohesive yeah no doubt like you said got to figure out a way to get these teams to play but uh until then uh you know we'll be back again weekly uh for for another episode we'll have we'll have some more fun stuff kind of like this uh coming to you guys down the pike uh until next time thanks for stopping by (laughs) 